coming up next in The Ziggler Show. I share a clip from Zig where he surely does not negate making and having money. I mean, he was always outspoken about his joy of nice things. A nice house with a big pool and nice cars and clothes and vacations. But in this clip, he does balance those things with if they had come at the cost of his health or relationships, especially being a devoted father to his kids, he would have been a broken hearted man. So he just really brings us to consider again, what we're possibly stressing on the other side of trying to make money, but we do all need money and we are well served to have an abundance. And in that, do we know what our financial goals are? So I asked the Ziegler audience this question, if your income tripled right now, what would change in your life and or work. And I was fishing to find how many people felt lack of money was holding them back and when, where, and how motivated they are to make more money. And then of course, being aware of what the cost is to do so. And again, it's not to diminish at all the pursuit of making money, just to be honest with what we might inadvertently be you know, tempted. We have to watch out to sacrifice for its sake. We got a boatload of responses and we categorized them. We'll let you know what those categories fell into uh, next as Tom Ziegler and I talk through the results. Welcome to the Ziegler Show, a top ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziglar's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit Ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. From my perspective, had I made millions and millions and millions of dollars, but in the process destroyed my health and sacrificed my integrity, I would have said no deal. I'd be unwilling to give up that in order to have the dollars. And I'm absolutely confident that most of you would feel exactly the same way. I want to say again that so many people still identify success with money. They talk about the biggest crook in town, that guy lives in the biggest house, drives the biggest cars, takes the most uh, trips and all those other things. Every time you see one, ask yourself these questions. I wonder how happy he is. I wonder how healthy he is. I wonder how secure he is. I wonder how many friends he has. I wonder how much peace of mind he has. I wonder what his family relationships are. I wonder what his hope for a future really is. And again, you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, you are going to be dead longer than you're going to be alive. You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. For what profited a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The philosophy we're talking about will enable you to go all the way to the top. But when I talk about all the way to the top, suppose one day one of my children, I have four, had come to me, said, you know, Dad, it would have meant everything to me if when I was a child, I could ever have known you as my dad. Had you ever been there in the morning to give me a pep talk when I was going off to school to face a tough test or a bully or trouble with my boyfriend? Daddy would have meant so much had you been there at night to hug away some of my hurts and kiss away some of my tears. Give me some of the advice, Dad, you've given people all over the world. Had that happened, Dad, maybe my life would not have turned out to be the disaster, which it has. Had that happened to me, I would be one more broken-hearted dad because like most parents, I deeply love my children. Tom, I'm going to start by giving everyone a little behind the scenes on our podcasting methodology here. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So they all just heard the message from your dad, 
talking about money and uh, you know what, what would it what's the benefit of man to win the world and lose his soul so if he had gone out there and been zig ziglar and done what he did and yet left you bereft as a kid of a dad who was devoted and doting and caring and whatnot that would have been tragic he would have been a hope uh, a, a broken hearted father so Everybody just heard the message. Now, here's the behind the scenes, and I've mentioned it before. So I'm gonna, I want to go get reader feedback, reader listener feedback on this thing. Now, if I go out and ask, all right, so who would accept more money or a million dollars for just you know a little trade off of your health and relationships? Well, nobody's gonna say yes. Not our crowd, at least. I don't. I hope many people wouldn't in general, but not our crowd. So if I put that out there, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna get any responses. And I mean, I really don't think that we have listeners, and nor are you and I, Tom, the kind of people who feel like we are spending time working to make unnecessary revenue at the sake, especially at the sake of our you know family and relationships. I mean, we're not. I don't see you going. Uh, you know, t- Kevin, just, just, just hold on there. I've got an opportunity to, uh, uh, be able to afford that Ferrari I've wanted. So I just, I don't have time to hang out with you right now. I, I don't see you doing that or to your wife or, or whatnot. I mean, we think that we are primarily working to sustain what is needed for us and, and for our family. So I instead took the concept and framed it in a way, I, I think to help us look at what are we working for? What would we hope for with abundance? So here Zig is bringing our attention to, obviously, we don't want to inadvertently sacrifice what is dear to us and most important for money. But we are working over here and we do want abundance. I mean, I do want abundance. I want more than just month to month and, you know, the bare necessities. And I appreciate, you know, your dad being pretty open with it. He did like nice things, right? I mean, you grew up with that. I mean, you guys had especially during you were, you were the youngest you guys had you had fairly nice stuff true we we were we had good stuff uh it wasn't uh crazy you know i, I wouldn't say we were spoiled i can also say that there, if there was anything i needed it was there yeah okay so so there we are um so cautioned he gives us a caution but now let's look at the awareness of what are we working for? So the question that I ask is if your income tripled right now, what change in your life, what would change in your life and or work? Which is kind of interesting to think if my, if my income tripled, I don't know why I picked tripled necessarily, but it just sounded right. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to look in about 24 hours. We might've come close to a hundred responses. So it's obviously one that hit a, vein there. And, um, I'll go down and read, here's kind of the headlines and we, we categorize them a little bit. Tom, a lot of people said they would hire help. So we obviously have a lot of businessmen, people, businessmen, business people here, uh, men and women, and they would hire help. So the idea was produce more. I'll just give that one to you. How's that one set with you? If you, you know, if income, if your income tripled business, personal, whatever, would you put some towards hiring help producing more? Yeah, well, it's interesting that that was the question because uh, Chachas and I, my wife Chachas, we've we've talked about, and and I think uh, when I look at some of these responses, people already have plans for the future. You know, you have yeah. goals and dreams, yeah. right? And so it's easy to say, well, one of the things that we said we would hire help on is we would probably get a a chef really? not to come come in the house and cook, but maybe to prepackage uh, 10 healthy meals a week that all we've got to do is reheat them. You know, we would, we would spend the extra money, sit down with a nutrition expert to make our, uh, <laughs> our lifestyle better and our uh, health improve at the same time. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of a, it's a luxury, you know, and maybe it shouldn't be, maybe that should be our first priority. But so when I, when you said hire help, uh, the interesting thing is we, we work with a lot of small business owners who 
every job title in their business is them, right? <laughs> they they do the marketing, they they install the product, they place the order, they make the sale, they pay the the payroll, they do everything. And and so we asked them, well, if if you were going to replace yourself in what area, what would it be? And the answer that we help people discover is that you you look at the lowest paying position that you're currently doing that you have the least amount of innate uh, talent and skill in, right? You And you outsource that. And instead of you uh, doing it yourself, which costs you X amount of dollars per hour, you're, you're paying someone else. So I love that idea of productivity of, you know, if we all of a sudden our income triples and we can take those things that are time consuming, but uh, not in our strength zone and outsource that, that's a huge return. Yeah. In a, in a business setting, though, we should be doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to make the jump when you're trying to figure out how to make the money work. Right. But I think more we most of us hang on to it too long. Yeah. And there, again, we've got so many people, Guy Williams, he says, I hire more people, Faye Bryant, I would likely hire an assistant and a CPA, Jennifer Harshman, more people would be working for me, uh, Renee Vider, I'd be hiring more helpers, Carmen Shank, I'd hire some help, um, Kat Weldy, I'd hire a life coach and competent personal assistant, Barbara Rubio, I'd hire a nanny and get back to the gym for my mental and physical health. I know my wife would say more house cleaning work, though I always waffle on that because I also want my kids doing it. I don't want them to talk about being pampered and spoiled. Uh, I've always struggled with that because our kids have chores. Now, they don't do them as well as a professional cleaner would or to that extent. Uh, I guess. And, and I think about that. I mean, how much time, I and mean, you know that, how many, how many, how many times like today do I come and go, okay, we gotta do the show because I gotta go pick up kids, got a new schedule. I feel, I spend so much time. My wife does far more, but I do too. Chauffeuring. We got five kids going different directions. Uh, you know, five full-time kids at home. Uh, but man, that one's also kind of daunting because I feel I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to delegate my fatherhood and send uh, somebody they don't know to chauffeur them around. I don't, man, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's so we we waffle with those some of those personal questions. But yeah, business wise, absolutely. So it's not. Uh, I didn't really foresee. I don't know if I foresaw any of these. I just put the question out there. So that was a big one. Hiring help. Um, next one was there were we we actually compi- compi- compiled them, or my daughter Eliza did compiled them in two areas of saving, but one had a primary focal point of retirement funds. Uh, We know that's a big deal right now. We have more and more people who are not having the money to retire. Um, Of course, then it just gets into the interesting issue, you know, for us, Tom, on the topic of retirement in general. Now, obviously we need to be putting money there to sustain us. And I, I tend to think, especially from a responsibility standpoint, if I were to become disabled to some degree or have some kind of, uh, minimizing of my capacity, otherwise I sure don't care to retire. I know that was a primary soapbox, if that's fair to say of your father in not retiring. Yeah. I think there's a there's a significant difference here. Uh, Dad never wanted to retire because his purpose was so clearly defined. Yeah, and his joy became uh, in serving God's children. Right, so everything he did was to make a difference in the lives of other people. On the other hand, uh, he had the financial capacity to where he didn't have to work. Yeah. And so that's, that's where I see the balance. The balance is, gosh, we need to have enough uh, savings or retirement or in, income-producing assets that, that, that pay for our lifestyle uh, at a reasonable rate so that we can, we can enjoy the world. And then we get to work for the joy of it. We get to focus our attention on the things that we were created to do and how we can solve problems for others. And uh, what I learned from Rabbi Daniel Lappin was that uh, retirement is, is not a word in the Hebrew language. And the, and the reason for it is that it, it really connotates 
and means that we stop serving other people and other people now serve us. Hmm. Yeah. That's what it means is we are now a consumer and everybody's around us to serve us. And so that's, that's, that's the way the retirement definition kind of is. And so what I think it should be is we are just stepping into a new, a new way of serving other people. So it could mean that the, the career, the vocation, the business that you have is something that you no longer have to do because you're, you, you've got the money, but now there's a higher calling. There's, a, there's another better way to go out and serve other people. And so when I think of, a, uh, let's say, somebody who's 80, uh, is there a greater, they're not retired. Now they have intentional time to spend with their grandkids. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a new position. It's not I'm done with life. It's I'm now in a uh, I, I'm in a position where I can have an impact that's going to ripple through eternity. So so that's what kind of the way I look at retirement. I, I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing, but I can certainly imagine picking and choosing more carefully and having more balance and having more capacity for leverage for yeah. doing things that uh, aren't of necessity, but are of leverage and impact. That's what I get excited about. I can tell uh, just looking at the comments that there's a lot of people who've thought about this. They probably, some of them even mentioned Dave Ramsey. And so, you know, Dave teaches that every dollar should have a name. And so, if you get a dollar windfall, if you're on the Ramsey plan, you know where that money's going, right? It's not a, <laughs> what do I do with that money? It's already planned. It's going here, 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 and here. And then once you start filling out those baby steps, then you can start having a little bit of uh, a little bit of splurge every now and then, a little bit of, of fun along the way. So I, I I like the answers that we're that we're seeing in here because they're there people have already thought it through. This is what I would do with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on the retirement thing, as you're talking, I'm thinking when one aside from money, what I think about somewhat, and granted, I've got a lot of kids, big family and whatnot. My youngest at home is eight. And when she, I could say to when she's 18, but really, man, when they get a car, it's a different world. So, you know, eight years from now, when my last one gets a car, that will be actually it'll even be earlier than that. Cause she's got siblings right above her that'll have cars and be doing some of the similar things. So that'll be a retirement of sorts of my, you know, the chauffeuring and from a parenting standpoint, but yeah, financially, I don't see, uh, slowing down my work that much. But again, Jeff Walker, he says, I would, um, put more into my, my, what I, what is now a 50% contribution to retirement, Terry Johnson. I accelerate my retirement planning and investing, uh, Wendy Bodie at beef up my retirement, RB Williams. I would retire sooner and could take time to do some things, other things that I want to do and on and on. So a lot of people did that though. It's interesting. A lot of those people also, I'm reading partial, segments of what they posted because a lot of them said I feed my retirement and give. So that's the next category. And we had, you know, I did not have these added up. I'm tempting as I just browse through them there. That's it's almost near the top of responses on people who said I would give more. And that's one where, I mean, I know that we can say, Oh, you know, you should be given a lot now, but that's, that's legitimate. You know, we, a lot of people aren't making huge abundance and we do see that with, with abundance, people are more able to give. And, you know, Tom, it's an interesting one that, uh, you know, there's things we can give aside from our money. Of course we can give of our time, give of our spirit, give of our compassion, but with money, I'll honestly, my dad sticks out Dan Miller, cause he spent a lot of time in his life without a whole lot of abundance. And now he has that. And he spent a lot of time in the, you know, the faith-based arenas and lots of discussion and feelings around money and around having a lot of money and wealth and whatnot. And his simple statement is, you know, regardless of where you stand or, or whatever for his own personal experience, testimony he sure is able to give a lot more now in his abundance than he was of money and of time and other resources. So that's not a 
commentary on you should make more money to be able to give more, but you know, there's something to be said for that. So interesting to see that with a big increase, a lot of people, it's the first thing, the only thing that they said, more giving, more giving, more giving. I love it. And you know, there's a reality. We can't give what we don't have. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's the reality. And we had a, uh, we, we should have Michael Mayer on. Uh, he has a book called 7L Leadership. And I remember uh, we did a webinar with him. And on the webinar, he asked the audience, what's the most important number in the world? And so that's a big general question, right? And so some of them said, you know, how much money you make. Somebody, some of them said how much money you have in savings. Uh, some of them said their net worth. And he said, no, the most important money in the world or a number in the world for money is how much do you want to give away? Hmm. And I really like that twist on it because, you know, let's just say you want, you just put it, you just threw a number out and said, Hey, I want to give away this much every year. Okay. That's awesome. So how are you going to be able to do that? And, you know, the fastest way of doing it is to figure out how many problems you can solve. Hmm. Because when you solve problems, like uh, Rabbi Lappin says, we're rewarded with certificates of appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> we call that money. So if I solve a lot of problems, I get a lot of money, and, with, and then I can give a lot of money. And so that's kind of a cool thing, is if your motivator is how much can I give away? And then you start putting names and faces on that. You know, do you like orphanages? Do you like helping foster families? Do you like cancer research do you like whatever it is that's a pretty cool motivator yeah and it's doing it for the right reason so i'm going to go i'm going to go do what i do to the best of my ability so that i can i can give this number if that number is a percentage of whatever you're bringing in everything goes up along the way you are listening to the ziggler show and this episode discussing money Uh, what would we do with more? And it belies a lot about what we really value. So next we hit a category of paying bills and paying off debt. You mentioned Ramsey. Uh, That was the next big category is paying paying bills and then debt. Tim Shanker had pay off the house early. Uh, Savannah Clevenger, I'd get a new car and pay off student debt. Uh, Jamie McClellan, pay off debt. Joe Morris, pay my medical debt. Chelsea Connolly, pay off debts. Um, Jessica Smith-Moyer, I'd pay for all three kids' college tuition and build my little dream house in the South. Uh, Jana Hoffman, paying my house down. Katarzyna Jenna, my bills would be paid. Yada, yada. So it just keeps on going. We know that we as a culture are debt-laden. Matter of fact, I looked this up a couple of days ago in reference to another business Uh, I'm involved with, and we are just about to hit what they're saying is an all-time high in American consumer debt. However, it's just reaching back to where it was in 2008. Now we had, you know, some financial issues uh, in the culture back then, but it's interesting that we look at that because if you take just the headline, we're about to reach an all-time high. It's not like chronic illness and disease, which has reached an all-time high, you know, ever. I mean, it's just been a trajectory up, period. That's not been debt, consumer debt. So we were in 2008, we were at the all-time high, we dipped down. Now we're back uh, about up to that. But I don't know how much has changed. Dave Ramsey's helped a lot of people, but as a culture, we still have so much debt, student debt, we have consumer debt, we have credit card debt, we have uh, mortgage debt, which is, you know, the least offensive uh, of those. We have auto debt. That's pretty much a given uh, these days. I wonder if that's going up right now because cars are more expensive. Uh, I don't know for sure, but possibly. But yeah, bills and debt and bills and debt. I mean, that right there is probably an imp, a prime. That's probably more of an imp. That's probably, it's, of course it's not. That is more of an impetus for everybody who rolls out of bed and goes to work in the morning than the abundance aspect uh, of that. Don't you think? Yeah. When I used to drive, this is years ago, but I had a route into work and I'd be in this certain part of the of the road about 7.30 every day. And so about twice a week, there would be a car I would see because they were on the same schedule. And they had the the bumper sticker that said, 
I O I O. So off to work, work I, I go. go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and that's, you know, that is such a huge, I mean, it's, it's a huge thing. And I remember when we, we uh, when we sold our house before we moved here, um, the buyer of the house came in and it was a young family and they were Asian and there were three generations and they paid cash. And I was so like in awe of this family that was putting the priorities of how do we create security for our family? And you could tell, I mean, they were, they were living modestly and they were all pitching in and they were building a business and they were buying this house and they were paying cash. And the house was a house that, that they fit in snugly. I mean, it wasn't like this big house that they was, you know, going to go. So, so I look at that and I just think is kind of our, you know, our marketing driven culture about how we got to replace this and how that's not good enough and how we need a new car and how leases are so cool and how, you know, just put on a credit card. And then all of a sudden uh, your kids go to college and they graduate with $130,000 in college debt and their starting job pays them thirty, thirty four thousand dollars <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. wait a second, what's going on here? And gosh, it, you know, somebody told me early on, this is before Dave Ramsey days. They gave me two bits of financial advice. The first one was only spend great grand dollars on luxury. Hmm. Okay. And I said, what does that mean? And they said, well, um, you earn a paycheck. Don't spend any of that on luxury. You put some of that and earn some interest. That's a grand dollar. Don't spend any of that. The next year, the grand dollar earns some interest. Yeah, spend that on luxury. <laughs> so, you know, to make the math really simple, you put a thousand dollars in a ten percent uh, product. So the second year, you've got a hundred dollars that stays there. The third year, that hundred dollars earns ten percent. That's $10. That $10 is what you can spend on luxury. And that was a pretty cool idea. Just delayed gratification, yeah. pay cash, you know, don't go into debt. And then the other, the other one was um, when you get your first two pay raises, whatever you're doing, don't change your lifestyle. And then, so you, you, you go to, this is for young people. This is great for young people. You, you, you go in and you get that first job and, and boy, you're just squeaking by, right? I mean, I remember my first job and how much money we were making and <laughs> it was a big deal to figure out if we were going to eat out this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get that first bump, that first raise, you still live on the old budget. And then you get the next raise, right? So now you've got two raises but your new budget goes up to what the first raise was. And so you've got this cushion of two raises that's just going into savings and in the future. And those were two real simple concepts that keep people from this position. When you're in debt, um, there's probably no better daydream than imagining what would life be like if tomorrow everything was just paid off. That's an amazing thing. And the thing is, is we can create tomorrow today. Yeah. Right. We can do that. The, the it takes good choice. Good choices. It, well, and the, and that's why I was going to speak to. I mean, we could just, uh, I think you need to realize ourselves and especially teaching our kids that we have a marketplace out there that there are no longer any barriers. 
zero barriers. We all sign up where, you know, there used to be billboards and who needs billboards anymore used to be newspaper advertising. Well, who needs that anymore? We all every day get up and flick on one of our devices, whether it's the smartphone or our computer screen. And we opt in to allow us to be pummeled with advertising, with promotions, not only that, but promotions, from companies that are mining our data and know what we like. So they're there ready to tempt us with exactly what they know we already like. And the temptation to get more, to get better, to get newer, uh, is, uh, is so great. And I'm, I'm so aware of people that I consistently see who I know are quite a bit lower than my socioeconomic level and how they generally have nicer things, later model things. They have later model cars than I do. They have the latest iPhone. They've got new clothes. Their kids got new clothes. And uh, I've just, it, I'm grieved by that. And I don't fault them. It is just the culture we get to. You don't know anything else. And we all have the amenities and no matter what level of income for the most part. And it's just, I, I, I just want people more and more to realize that we are being tempted at every corner. And, and I am too. I'm not, I'm not immune to it. Um, I, I think I'm aware of, of that, but man, it's a hard place to be in. Well, like Dave says, uh, if you, if you want to live like nobody else, you got to live like nobody else and you have to be weird. And none of us want to be weird. We want to, we want to belong. Well, hey, the next one here, Tom, is uh, investing. Um, and it was maybe the least. No, no, it's not either. Not the least. Investing, though. Um, well, we could probably combine this. Another one was the next one was buying a home. And a lot of people said that. They said that along with investing in real estate, in their home. I mean, I love that right now. My gosh, one of my best investments right now is my home because of the value. Well, I, it is if I were to sell the thing, which is so tempting. I'd make so much money. I just don't know where else I'd go. I have to come in and move with you and with you, Tom. Um, but investing. So that was a big one. So we know that that's one that people see the ability, the wealth and abundance that can come from investing. But there's the issue is you got to have money to make money and that keeps a lot of people from it. Yeah, I'm going to go a little I'm going to do a little political uh, I'm not going to call it a rant, I'm going to call it a uh perspective that's going on right now uh when it comes to money and income and wealth. So over the last 20 years there has been a massive migration of of money from the middle class to the rich. And it's been rapidly uh, escalated during the pandemic. And we see it in the news and we see all these things. There's also been a rapid escalation from a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses to these almost monopolies, right? When we think of Amazon and Google and mm -hmm. technology companies and and so what's going on? And then I just read this big article today in the New York Times, and it was talking about how there's been a, a big culture change and people are realizing that all of life is not about work, that it's about these other things. And what the article was proposing is that, you know, having a, a basic income or a higher minimum wage or some some sort of baseline to where we don't value our life on our job, right? It's not like our worth comes from the fact that we can produce some stuff. But here's the danger in it, okay? And this is this, this is uh, what I believe is a challenge: is that as long as we are dependent on any type of outside help whether it's a, a healthcare help or whether it's a, a child care support or, you know, a, a basic income or a tax credit. And then we start getting sold the idea that we should be really happy with, you know, just basic stuff. Then what we're doing is we're, instead of focusing our purpose in our life and serving other people, we're getting really focused on 
uh, hey, you know what? I'm just going to be. It's okay to be average and and to and and to be okay with just this medium thing. Well, what you've really done is now we've got a culture that says, hey, the government's really better at stewarding our our money than we are. Mm. Let's just give them all their money. And, you know, after all, they're going to give us back what we need to survive. And so I, I see this kind of insidious thing going rather than how I think it should be. And what I'm really excited about is, oh my goodness, people have finally figured out that, that their life doesn't revolve around work. Their work revolves around their life. Okay. And so when we figure that out and we get our balanced life and gear, our priorities are what it, what's going to happen is our performance and our work is going to go up. We're going to be more effective at whatever we do if we're effective in every part of our life. I mean, that's just, that's just the way God created us. And so if that's the truth, then shouldn't our, contra- shouldn't our compensation for what we provide be reflective and congruent of the contribution we make? And I don't want people to sell their freedom of no ceiling for the security of, well, we'll take care of this basic stuff and don't worry that we're taxing you 80%. Right. Right. Well, because what will happen is that's just a bigger migration. And let's just look at the way the world, the world's systems work. The, the people in power want to stay in power. I mean, that's just the way all systems are. And, and so if, if the, and, and, and so it's really easy to, to settle and to say, my goal in life is to have all my needs covered. When I really think that when our purpose in life becomes to serve other people and to solve problems in our gifts and talents, however God created us, and sometimes we do what we have to do in order to do that. But when our goal is ultimately to serve others and provide for our family, when that why, that bigger cause, that changes how we do what we do. And, when, and then when we put our focus around the core, which is our faith and our family and our health, when we put our focus around the core, not only does our why power what we do, but we get better at what we do in the process. Yeah. And then that's when the fruit comes. And so I would much rather people say, you know what? I'm going to get my priorities in line. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the home court. And I'm going to serve others through my work and that the fruit, the blessing that comes, I'm going to be a great steward of it. There's not going to be a ceiling. And there are some in our society who, for a lot of different reasons, a disability, uh, whatever, it's my, it's, it's our collective response. We got to take care of them. We got to provide for their needs. And that's not at all what I'm suggesting that we don't provide for the needs who can't serve and support themselves. But there is this trend of let us take care of you. We know better to do with with your money than you know what to do with your money. Just pay it all into the pot. We'll give you back what you need and lower your lower your goals, your your objectives, lower what you want to accomplish. That's not a big deal anyway. You should really just be happy uh, hanging out and, and hanging out with your friends. Well, I'm here to tell you that our our purpose in life is not to be happy. That's not our purpose. Our purpose in life is to fulfill our purpose. And as we move towards our purpose, happiness is the byproduct. And so you're getting this big cultural message uh, that your purpose in life is to be happy. And let us give you the basics that will make you happy. And then you can go do what you want. And don't worry about, don't create a ruckus. I'm telling you. You were created to create a ruckus in the way you serve people. <laughs> and don't don't buy into that. I trust you. I mean, I, I look at all of our listeners, and, and I trust what you're going to do with the gifts God's given you more than 
I trust somebody who would want to take that gift from you and disperse it how they think. All right, I'm going to title it Tom Talks Politics. We'll get the most downloads we've ever gotten. <laughs> All right, I can see the meme now. <laughs> uh, man, I, you know, I, a couple quick points there. I mean, you talk about our, in a sense, lowering our expectations. I mean, that was a real psychological research study done eons ago that there is some, you can almost make a case for, hey, the way to get happier, just lower your expectations, quit expecting so much. And that may be happiness in the moment. It's not where we find true joy, fulfillment, and back to the abundance that we can serve others with, which is where we find purpose. So, I mean, Tom, how many times I speak about your quote of having the highest standards, which to me is expectations. I, I just, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I, I love it. I don't feel pressure about it. I want the highest expectations and the deepest grace as well, which is the key there. But to what you said, um, I, and there's lots of people who have commented on this. I'm sure not the first, but it is <sighs> discouraging the focus even on minimum wage Men, who wants to folk, who wants their goal to be the minimum, the minimum wage that has to be given to you. Wouldn't we all like to earn our abundance to earn our three times our income by our own ingenuity, by our perseverance, by our intellect, by our, our willfulness. We want to earn that. And I want so much more of the call to be, can we, you know, can we help educate people, find ways to bring apprenticeships back internships? Can we, matter of fact, Rob, just prior to this show, this is episode 928 is episode uh, 927. We had Jeff Brown on and he has a new book called read to lead, which is the name of his podcast as well. And our focal, our focal point of his book is not just reading, but how can we read and actually learn? And it comes back to that aspect of we have never had more available information ready at hand that we can learn the secrets of the world. And well, here, Tom, I don't know if you've read this, but I, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's tragic, literally tragic. Uh, it was a something done on Reddit. Somebody asked the question, if someone from the 1950s suddenly appeared today, what would be the most difficult thing to explain to them about today? And a anonymous person on Reddit said, this is their quote to explain. I possess a device in my pocket that's capable of accessing the entirety of information known to man. I use it to look at pictures of cats and get in arguments with strangers. Oh, I, mean, I, I mean, it is funny, but it's funny because it's so stinking true. We have I, every day I flip on or it's already on this computer and I have access to this, that the, the entirety of information known to man, I can learn how to build a rocket online for free. I can f read everything Einstein ever did. And I use it to get on social media and argue with people about politics and whatnot. And if we can come back and get out of this uh, minimum wage mindset, I know that's unfair. It feels unfair to some people, the people listening to this show, the people who are, uh, that, that we have influence over as a group listening to the show, we have the ability to expect more than the minimums and to help inspire and equip those around us, those we love to have higher expectations as well. Yep. In the book, Lynchpin, Seth Godin, I think the first 40 pages of it covers how the educational system in the United States was created. And it was created for the sole purpose of producing widgets. What they wanted was to produce citizens who could read and write and do a certain amount of arithmetic so they would be a good employee. Right and a manufacturing plant doing a repetitive motion over and over again. It wasn't to produce somebody who could think and make good judgment decisions on what was best in life around principles and values. That's, that's just reality. And so now I remember early in my sales career, we were working with the company and I was, we were putting some sales training in and one of the sales managers said, we were talking about how do you drive sales? And he said, well, 
Um, you know, what I like to do is when a new salesman comes on and they start having a little success, I encourage them to go buy a new car because if they buy a new car, they've got a big car payment and that car payment's wow. going to motivate them to sell more. Wow. And I thought, wait a second. Um, why? I mean, that's a little microcosm, but we take it to the macro level. Uh, how much control do big org companies and, and corporations have over people because of debt? Because, you know, hey, this is what it costs and, and this is what it is. And if you're going to play, you got to pay. And now somebody gets trapped into a, a path or a career that's not inspiring. It's not what they wanted for themselves but they don't have any choices. So you get out of debt, you suddenly got choices. You can do what you want. Uh, and now that quote again, uh, the reality of uncertainty and the certainty of mortality, because people's timelines have all been suddenly shrunk. I could, I could get sick and die at any minute. Life is important. Uh, I'm going to spend time with those I love. When that suddenly came into focus is, hey, this is the priority career second. It's allowing us to make some pretty good decisions on what we want to do. Yeah. And if you have debt, it limits your options. If you don't have debt, oh, you can you can go any direction you want. Well, you're talking about, you know, to some degree, the golden handcuffs. And that was one of our categories here is I would quit my job. Um, and that one is, man, I understand that we've probably all been there. At some point, even even people who say, "Gosh, I'd quit my business," or you know, get rid of get rid of that, we get ourselves into a place that is not a place we want to be. For anybody who answered with that, um, man, I feel for you, and uh, that's your primary job is to figure out how to get into something that you uh, would do. Kind of like what you talked about, Tom. That, that you're grateful that the work that you do is what you would do, whether you needed the money or not. What a place to be in. After that, Tom, really, we could culminate the last couple categories into, well, people put travel, move, and free time. But I'm going to say just self-care to some degree. And so we had a lot of people speak to that, that they would you know, do some things for themselves. And so travel was a big one and just personal time in general, things that they would invest in uh, for themselves, for their own joys. That is one that has probably grown in my own personal value in recent years, Tom. I just got back from another four-day getaway. And at this point, I'm doing that. Gosh, I'm probably averaging every two months. So every two months, so I've got businesses like, uh, you know, every, everybody else. I've got my daily job and, and my grind. I've got a big family. I've got five kids full time at home right now going different directions. My wife has work that she does as well in that. So it's a big deal to take personal time. But it is such a gift for me that my kids actually adv and my wife advocate it for me, even though it's, it's hard. They don't like me being gone, but advocate it because I come back inspired. And it is such a gift for me that I no longer feel, for the most part, guilt about uh, in that and feel like it's a, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. And man, I want to inspire people uh, to that. So a lot of people here said with more money, they would take more, literally just free time. It was a big response. Free time. I would, they, they would travel and just do those things that inspire them, which is one of the spokes on the Ziegler Wheel of Life, that personal spoke. Yep. And, you know, Kevin, I'm just going to comment on the lesson you're teaching. You're teaching your kids the lesson that their happiness depends on their choices, not on anyone else. Hmm. And that no one can make them responsible for that person's happiness. Hmm. Okay, so... Uh, there's a lot of relationships that are messed up because one person in the relationship tells the other one, you're responsible for my happiness, how you behave, how you treat me, what you do with your life, the decisions you make. If I don't like it and I'm unhappy, you need to change. You need to fix that because you're responsible for my happiness. This is it, the exact same thought process of the political rant that I went on. We need to take ownership and responsibility of our money and our happiness. What, what the powers that be are trying to do 
is they're trying to talk you into letting them be responsible for your happiness and then telling you what makes you happy. Yeah. That's what they're doing. And nobody can make you happy. There's no other person out there in the world who is responsible for your happiness. You are responsible for your own happiness. Now, when you love someone and you have a commitment and a relationship and a responsibility to your kids, of course, you're going to do things that allow, this is where my mission statement comes from, to create the atmosphere that allows you to become the person God created you to become. Yeah. Right? And so, if I take responsibility for your happiness, then... I'm not teaching you how to create the atmosphere that allows someone to become the person that God created them to become because God didn't make you to be dependent on somebody else's uh, love or dislove of you for you to be happy. There's only one, one relationship in the universe where that's uh, yeah. embedded in, and that's the person who cannot ever disappoint. And that's God. That's God's job, right? I mean, he's, he can't disappoint us. Everybody else can. And so we need to put our trust in the one who can't disappoint who, because they know what's best. So I love that example. Um, far too many role models are, Hey, you know what? Uh, they're enablers and that person is that's what they need. And so I'm just going to give them what they need at my own expense. And that's not a path to creating the atmosphere that, that allows them to become the person God created them to become. I've learned that somewhat the hard way, Tom. So thank you for reiterating that folks. It's such a gift to all the responses. There were so many. Um, and it uh, really helped me see some of the breadth of what we consider as we spend our days working away, what we're working for and what the payoff is and what's most important to us. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Well, great content on money. What are we working for? What are our financial goals? And being aware of what we may be sacrificing or we could inadvertently in order to achieve those financial goals. Coming up in episode 929 of The Ziggler Show, I'm back with Jeff Brown, author of Read to Lead, which we covered in episode 927. This time we're talking about his habits. And he, uh, we really spent a lot of time, he gives a, a lot of focus to the power of mastermind groups in his life. I think that'll be of interest to many of you. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.